With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It's football and random things, or as Jeff Woody has called this, sports health and random things. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Welcome to Shart. <laughs> your second Shart. Hi, Jay. <laughs> hey, Jared. Jeff. Have you sharted today, or is this your first shark? I'm I'm shark free, but um, it is a, a shark danger zone. So, shark danger zone. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this is... what, what are the signs that put in the ocean is that, for sharks? Is that like a? Is oh that, yeah. Is that a Cracker Barrel? Like a shark danger zone is just three hours after a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Gold. Yeah, it's uh, it's right when you get home from the Golden Corral. <laughs> yeah. You elected to touch, you got some fried chicken from the Golden Corral. And three hours later, you had to go, no, you had to go to like a wake or, or something like a, like a, uh, um, a communion or not communion, uh, um, what do you want to call it? Confirmation. That's going to be really long at a church. And you, and some, you, you can't get up and walk you out. You can't get up because you're in a Catholic church. So that's the day. That's a sharp danger zone is you don't yes. go to Cracker Barrel before you go to a confirmation Otherwise, you're in the shark danger zone. <laughs> the sign should be shaped like a waterfall. <laughs> Are we going too far, Jared? <laughs> How far off the rails did we get, Jared? It took, I mean, three minutes before we were. <laughs> Has it even been that long? No, yeah, I was going to say, have we hit three minutes yet? Oh, man. Uh, all right, so. <laughs> Jeff, we, you suggested that we talk about uh, team programs or how teams in college football, I mean, I guess even in the NFL, I don't know how that, exactly their stuff works, but how programs can combat uh, and plan for and work around um, situations in which somebody might test COVID positive and then have to uh, sit out for a game, two games, um, and kind of the uncertainty of – uh, of working around those kinds of things. But, um, I mean, I guess the, the first piece of it is I, I have not read exactly what, what do they have to do with, does the whole team not have to quarantine at that point if somebody does test positive? I don't know what the rules are. And I, I think I was watching the Astros Dodgers last night, which the, it was the one, it was the game that followed the brawl game uh, or the, the pre brawl thing, which, Side note on that one. How can anyone expect the Astros not to get pitched at? How, there's no way that they're not going to get thrown at every single game or every, every single series for however long the season is. Uh, but anyway, 
I was watching that, and on the bottom line, the ticker is where I'm getting information from, is that said uh, the Big 12 is going to be essentially fielding the proposals for what the football season is going to be like. And I'm assuming that it's going to include those articles of if someone tests positive or if a, what number of people test positive or how long do you have to quarantine or what happens with games. They're going to see, they're going to sit down and have those discussions on Monday um, to see what they're exactly going to do. And, and um, I, I think Bowlesby wants four to five different proposals to see like what the ADs and presidents are going to vote for and see what they're going to do. So I don't think that's determined yet, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if, if you have the flu, you can play with the flu at, you know, if it's, if it's 2004, you can play with the flu. There's nothing that says you can't because if you're, if you, I mean, shoot in, in 2009, the Nebraska game, I mean, half the team was sick. So in those instances, it's fine to kind of buck up and go play. But with something like this, because one, it's obviously something you don't want to transmit. And two, because there's a lot of political pressure behind it that you don't want to be the one that does the transmission, that if there is anybody that tests positive, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that they would need to, they individually would minimally need to have to sit for a week or two. And that might come, you know, if, someone has a positive test on a Wednesday, your game plan may have to switch completely depending on who it is halfway through the week. If the team is still allowed to play, but that guy has to stay home for two weeks, like if that's how it works. And again, if that's one of the provisions, I think it's, it's a fun kind of mental exercise to think, how does that work with different teams, specifically Iowa State, just because we know it the best. If in fact there, there do have to be these like midweek pivots, like what does that midweek pivot look like? So that's just a fun thing to think about in the kind of weird oddball nature of this impact or this, this upcoming football season. I don't know that fun is the right way to. I think the thought it. concept is fun. I don't think the actual real concept of doing this when it's Texas week and you have someone get sick is fun. Knock on wood, but I don't know. To me, that just seems like it's, it's an interesting thing because I bet it's going to happen I bet a couple things are going to happen at least once during the season. One is uh, a team pulls out, sort of like what happens with the Marlins and the Phillies already this year for baseball, where they had enough positive tests that the Yankees had to reschedule a game and like flip a schedule really quick. And so it's going to happen in college football where somebody says, hey, you can't, you know, you're not going to be able to play this, this game. But it's also going to happen where individuals are going to sit out. So both those things are going to happen this year. So you got to be ready for it, you know? Like you can't, you're not going to be able to escape that. So you have to be able to prepare for that. Right. What do you think? I don't see, I don't see any way that, that, well, I shouldn't speak in such definite terms, but I would not be surprised if, you know, we're still playing college football in March because we get a mass outbreak in one of the conferences and they just shut down everything for a month, reschedule, move it back a month and go. And I, I don't know logistically if that can even work, but I could completely see something like that. A, a complete shutdown for a quarantine period earlier, late in the fall and move everything back uh, a month or two. And I, I, I would have that as one of my scheduled contingencies. Cause I just, I mean, this is going to be a weekly thing. It's not a not going to be a couple times a season. I, I just now one thing I'll, I will note that when they all the teams first reported, we had just massive stories. You know, thirteen positive here, sixteen at Iowa State. 
you know, 20 at Oklahoma and all that. And we haven't heard much of that mm-hmm. um, since they got those quarantines. Uh, I know I, I, the only one I've seen is Oklahoma had a recent testing with zero uh, positive tests um, during their workouts. So maybe they've got a, a decent handle on it. And maybe that they'll come up with a model that can be used but with 130 schools out there competing in division one ball, I mean, every week somebody's going to be, be dinged by this. Mm-hmm. So on the personnel stand front standpoint, I think what that does, Jeff, and uh, you can chime in and correct me here, but the way most wor- rosters work, even at the collegiate level, because of the uh, restrictions on the amount of time, which I don't know if those have been expanded. It'd be kind of interesting if they did, but uh, the amount of time, the limitation that you can spend in practice during a week, uh, the way the quote unquote preparatory rep allocations go is weighted heavily to the first team. Uh, You'll have certain rotational players that'll be in and split time. Uh, second string will get a few snaps at the end. So let's say you had a 20 minute team offense session, that last five minutes or that last period in practice is generally going to be some second team snaps after the first teams work in their primary, uh, game plan materials. So your preparation, it's really a, a pretty, you'd think with as many college players as you have on a team more dedicated that you're. Uh, preparation for second team or replacement players in a situation like this would be, would be greater, but it's really not, you know, it's pretty geared Mm -hmm. towards those first team guys. So kind of dovetailing off what we were talking last week, who has the ability to get those second team and third team reps in a spot where you don't have to re-gear because that'll be the first step, right? We don't want to re-gear our offense or Mm -hmm. change it in the middle of the season. Yeah. Unless you've got, you know, kind of makes you sad. We don't have rail Mitchell anymore at Iowa mm-hmm. state, unless you have a change of pace type guy, a package that then you could go to as primary uh, in the event, something happens with your starting quarterback. And that's not as present now, but might be an interesting development. But so we, we kind of fall back to where who's equipped both from a, a personnel and full roster uh, standpoint, and we can just focus it on Iowa State. Where is Iowa State, in your mind, Jeff, strongest should a position group, you know, because you, you all sit in a meeting room together. Mm-hmm. So it's possible if one guy in that meeting room happens, your position group gets devastated. Um, where, which positions do you feel best about being able to handle that type of adversity? So I think the, the ones that I – so here's a, to, to take that. I'll, I'll answer that question after I kind of address something you talked about before, which was when you, you talk about like the first team gets the majority of the reps, I think the way that this is going to get fixed. And I don't know if it was how, when you were there, but when I was there, the way that the snaps got allocated was they would go ones, ones would take a drive and then twos would take a drive and then ones would take a drive and then twos would take a drive, but they would schedule like they would script like six plays for the ones drive and then like four plays for the two drives or something like that, where it's still, you're alternating everyone. So I bet that because of the nature of this, it becomes a lot more like five and five where like the ones and twos get an equal amount of reps because you have to play like on, on defense. A lot of times I think last year's Texas tech game, um, I did because I in my art, register article I did the, the, like the stats research for it, which was nuts. 
that I think on defense, Iowa State had, I think it was like 24 guys that recorded a tackle. So they play more than two deep on defense. So that's not really that surprising. But on offense, a lot of times you're not going to play a full 22 on offense. You're going to play just 11, maybe, 11 for sure, and then maybe up to like 16 or 17 with your receiver swapping out, your running back swapping out, maybe one offensive lineman. But it might happen where – three or four of your offensive linemen can't play because again, they share the same meeting room and you have to mostly play twos, which would be a horrible situation, but like you would still potentially have to switch them out. So I bet they, the, the ones and twos reps are nearly equivalent to, to prepare for something like that. And it may not be the same, the case at all programs, but I think Iowa state generally speaking has depth to accommodate that, that you're not really losing a bunch. Um, you know, maybe they do their first team early on in the season a lot more, but as the season goes on, I bet it tapers off. Um, but to answer the question of which position groups are best equipped to do that, I think defensively, if you go basically any position group on defense outside of interior defensive line. So like defensive ends to linebackers to secondary, I think are kosher because the only, the only, the, the secondary, I'll put a caveat on there. The corners with Kyle and Johnson, you can play man coverage. If you were to have to put in a sub behind that, then you have to switch, start switching to more of a zone play. So it tweaks your defense a little bit, but guys like Eisworth and White, like that's the, the back half of that secondary is so good that it doesn't really matter. Like Eisworth can play whatever you need him to play to cover up for whatever shift you have to have. And White can do the same thing. So like you have guys that can rotate around. So the position, I would say, if you had to, had to nail it down to one position group that I think is the best equipped to like lose all of their starters and not drop a, a significant amount in, pro in production is the linebackers. So I think from your top two or three to your next two or three, I think there's not a, there's obviously a difference because Mike Rose is really good and you know, Ryan Vance is really good, but then you guys, you got guys like Hummel, you got guys like Pulvermacher, you guys, um, I, I forget the name, the number five, the dude from Ch Florida. Chandler Pulvermacher left the program. Oh, sorry, never uh, Pulvermacher, the, the, what's the guy? Gary Vaughn is it Vaughn yeah 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 so you those guys the the the, the replacement it's, it's a yeah it's it's a loss but it's not a huge loss you know what I mean like yeah you've got guys that can fill in so I think those that position group is the best and I think it goes without saying that the position group that would be the worst to lose and I'm gonna knock on wood here would be quarterback because and I was just gonna say I was just gonna say is there is it crazy to think that you could do something where you, you know, it's almost like in politics, like they got to keep the president and the vice president apart from each other so that, uh, you know, you're always going to have one guy to uh, run the country. Do you keep one quarterback away from all the other quarterbacks to make sure you're always going to have a quarterback? <laughs> the lone survivor. So the quarterbacks yeah. are Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. Hunter Deckers is the lone survivor. He yeah. just has to go to position meetings at a different time. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that it's ridiculous to say that, but it's like, it, I mean, it's almost, I feel like that's something you have to think about. Like, do we try and figure out a way to make sure that like, we're always going to have some sort of emergency situation. So, so during the week, Brock yeah. Purdy runs around in a hazmat suit. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> He just wears not only like a, a mask, but he wears like a, like a portable oxygen tank and then like a fighter pilot thing, yes. you know, like the fighter pilot oxygen mask. He just wears that all the time. So he only breathes controlled air. Right. But I think, yeah. So that's a reasonable precaution. Thanks for taking my suggestion so seriously, guys. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it's just not feasible. Like you can't, there's no way you can make yeah, it work. No, but the, 
I, the thing with any other position group, I think the offensive line is going to be would just it innately by the the way the position positions are played. It's going to be the hardest to go week to week and consistently reshuffling from one to the other, just because it involves so much you know unity between the group. But that's going to happen. So I think you can ex like. I, 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 we might have talked about it last week. I think you can expect more slot plays this year from both offense and defense. You know, like there's going to be more four-yard losses where it's just a TFL on a run-through by a linebacker because a guard didn't pick it up because that guard and center have never played together other than right now. So there's going to be run-throughs and shit like that that happens. But there's also going to be um, the times when defense gets uncharacteristically out of position because you have a, a true sophomore that's never played corner before get drastically out of position and Brees Hall finds some space and runs for it. So there's going to be this kind of slot plays all over the place. Um, so it's just a matter of minimizing the damage. I think if that kind of stuff happens, but yeah, the, the one, the position group that's the most interesting to me as far as what would you do if it happens is it, like you, like we were joking about with the, before is with the quarterback group, because I think they're going to, the game plan last year evolved around by the end of the year and, and well two-thirds of the way through the year before like health started to get deteriorated it evolved around brock and what he was comfortable doing and now i think they have more guys that are like him where real is no he's, he wasn't the same player he was lamar jackson versus you know that that style play where it's his passing is an accessory and his running is the main threat that you have to be concerned with where Brock is more the other way, where it's like the more Russell Wilson style, where he is a thrower, an accurate thrower, who can also run when he needs to. Where I think a lot of the guys they have in the room now, obviously they're not, you know, they're, they're not Brock Purdy. But I think the guys they have in the room are much more in the same mold, where it's a thrower first who can also happen to run. So I don't think that you're going to have to drastically change the game plan. It's just you get, you know, the, the best version and then you kind of get a, a a a version light of that if Brock would have to you know miss time for any reason so to me it's just interesting if you know is Hunter Decker's the number two or who who is the number two going into this year coming out of camp yeah I tell you what's interesting about the quarterback room and makes it harder is the fact that the two guys with the talent pedigrees behind Purdy are both left-handed Mm. and that's a that's a big deal it's a bigger deal we haven't talked about it much but it's a bigger deal than you think because you essentially have to flip your offense you have to flip mm. your line around to protect the blind side where your play actions go yes all your play actions flip your route trees flip and now that doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to do but going from right hand to, to left hand guy with only a week of preparation can be challenging so so it's not certainly they've thought about that because they've recruited two left-handed quarterbacks in the same class to be uh be the backups but that's a that's an interesting conundrum for iowa state now who's the other kid the kid out of dowling blake something blake uh, blake, uh, blake clark blake clark so and then know, Devin the Larson is the other one yeah so he's a walk-on and a little bit i've heard about him is he's kind of kyle kempfish in the sense that he's not going to blow you away with his physical talent, but he's going to make a lot of really good decisions. Um, and I'm assuming that he's right-handed. Uh, <laughs> so, so you have at least some depth there, even if you've got down to 
um, to that level on the, on the chart. So I like that running back. I think we're great. Mm-hmm. Um, Brees is, Brees is probably worthy of some just talk. Jeff is, we've both played that position rewatching games during this time. He is a, a get yards that aren't blocked machine mm-hmm. with spins, surprising power. And what really surprised me is he's got that long stride, but he can break down. He can drop his hips and make a quick move in space really well. Just, mm-hmm. just as well as he can stride through and do his kind of gliding spins and, and power moves that he is, he is really good. But I say that to contrast, I think Jarrell Brock is a really good back too. Well, and Johnny Lang's still here. And so Johnny, and Johnny Lang's as solid as they come. Mm-hmm. And he, he progressed even with his less uh, lower amount of carries moving through the year. He got better. Well, he, yeah, he filled, I, I, you know, he filled a role like yeah. Ringo Starr is a really good musician, but if Ringo Starr was the front man for the Beatles the entire time, the Beatles wouldn't have become the Beatles. So like, but however, Paul probably couldn't have done what Ringo did. So finding the role that's specific to him made it so he was able to shine more when he was playing. So I think they're going to probably, I would imagine they try and try and find ways for him and Kane to both try and get space. Like it's not, they're, neither one of those guys is a true feature back, but those guys are also really good accent pieces that you can use in specific situations. So between Brock, Brees, uh, Johnny, Kane, they, they've got guys. They're, the running back yes. room is deep, and you can, and that is a pretty interchangeable one. And I was watching a thing because I think as July ends and August starts, I always, you know, everyone always gets the football addiction start to kick back up. Um, and so I was watching the NFL film breakdowns, the NFL films, where like uh, Kurt Warner and Brian Baldinger go and like watch film with different guys. And they did one with Dalvin Cook, and I, I didn't really watch Dalvin Cook that much in like a film perspective at all. And the way that he plays and the way that Brees play is plays is very similar. Brees is just super duper raw right now. Like he 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 gives once he is given space, his instincts take over. And uh, when you're talking about that long strider, it's a, it's little subtle things that you don't realize mm-hmm. that someone's doing where. Um, maybe as the safety is coming to tackle you, he's going to hit you in the hip. And you know, was really good at this too. It's Alexander Robinson was if a guy's going to hit you in the hip, you just have a subtle change of angle and a subtle yes. change of tension. So you make your leg a little more relaxed. You cannot right. teach that. That is pure instinct. And so he's going to give enough of an angle change to that person when he gets there that they don't get a square hit on him and he can either shake out of it or just, you know, hop on one leg for another two yards. Well, an extra two yards on top of a play is just like getting a two yard play, which is a fine. It's not super successful. It's not a super failed play. So all those little tiny, the little subtle instinctual differences that he gets um, make it so much smoother and on the way down the field. Cause you, you know, this extra hidden yardage, there may be nine or 10 yards of hidden yards that he individually would have found throughout the drive well, that's an extra first down you don't need to get because he's, you kind of piece together these extra yards all the way across. So the running back room, I think it's great. I think the tight end room tight is end. also fun because unless they build all of their fronts or all of their sets out of three tight ends, which I don't think they will, they'll have some three tight end sets. They'll have probably a good amount of two tight end sets. And then you just pick which two you want to play out there because obviously the way it breaks down is Charlie's your receiver. 
Um, Chance is your do everything and Saner is your more blocker type body, but they all can do all three roles. Well, yeah, and they can all be, they can all be on, as, they, they can all be on the field at the same time. Yeah, but they can, and if you have these two tight end fronts, even if, again, let's take that, the bad news bears of Charlie Kolar gets sick and he can't participate, you still have Chance and Saner or Chance Chase. or Saner. Like Chase, yeah. sorry, not Chance, Chase. So you still have the, uh, those pieces that can play individually, and that's really easy to work around. So like the tight ends room is fun, the running back room is fine, the wide receivers we don't even know who the top three are going to be outside of Tariq and probably Sean Shaw that we don't know who else is going to be there. So probably they're going to be probably seven deep in fall and spring or fall and early season practices to try and find who their top three or four are. So I think wide receivers are fine. The offensive line is nine deep right now that we don't know who those five are going to be. So really on offense, you can mix and match as much as you want. Really the only position that is a big question mark, if in fact you do have that bad news bear situation, is what happens if the quarterback isn't able to play. Uh, I need to interject really quick. Jay, are you holding an ax? What is it that you're holding? An ax handle. <laughs> that is a wonderfully I, badass thing to hold. I have seen you keep moving that thing around and I kept looking at it and I was like, what the hell is that? And I finally <laughs> like, was like, uh, I think that he's holding an ax. It's uh, like uh, the baseball bat and a few good men for Tom yeah. Cruise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. It, it, it inspires greatness. This podcast has been, has been awesome so far. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I was going to say, I don't know. I assume both of you guys saw the video of when they were walking out onto the uh, practice field. Brock Purdy looks awfully good in Vikings purple, by the way. Uh, but Brees <laughs> is like, it's Brock Purdy. It's Brock Purdy. Um and the receiver that they're walking with is, is, is Xavier Hutchinson. And that dude looks like a badass. I'm just going to say, I thought he was like a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. That dude looks like a badass. Like yeah, I, it would not shock me at all. If he ends up being a freaking stud. Well, he's they a have, unit. seven last year was the physical. We, you know, Michael Petway was, I'm going to take, take this corner and throw him into the third row of the stands. That was that kind of build and body type that they, that Shaw is long. And I think he's a physical dude, but he's not a bouncer, which I think if, yeah, if you can get, if Hutchinson can do that, I ain't bad at all. So yeah, but with wide receiver, generally speaking, we just don't know who, uh, who's going to turn up as, you know, maybe Darren Wilson has a great spring or something like, or a great summer, a great early part of fall. And he becomes a slot receiver. So Tariq can stay outside and be an X and who knows, we don't know what's going to happen at the wide receiver group um, and how, what kind of connection and clicking they have with the whole group and with Brock. Yeah. You got, you got Wilson, you got skates, you got Shaw Hutchinson, Tariq. Uh, what's a kid from Bettendorf? Porter. He said Wilson. Yeah, that's Wilson. No, is it Darian Porter? When he or Porter, yeah, Porter, yeah, Porter. Yeah. You got Porter coming in. You got TJ Tampa coming in as a true freshman. That's a bunch of guys that can play mm -hmm. and will play. So, I mean, they, they're going to have some serious speed in that room. Oh, yeah, which is kind of fun because I think Brock has more of a downfield arm than what he showed, especially in the middle part of last year, because I don't think – I don't think he was a hundred percent healthy by the time the end of the season rolled around. So like getting the ball down the field, wasn't a thing. Cause he couldn't like rotate and pull all the way through, which is scary that 
if the game can get better by going downfield more. I have a question that I've, I've been wondering about. And so Kane is going to be a senior this year. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, I mean, obviously injuries have played a big role in the fact that he has not maybe not fulfilled his potential probably isn't the right way to put it, but it's just like, it seems like he kind of goes in and out. Mm-hmm. It feels like a no brainer to me to put him like at that M position. Like what, like the spot that like Trevor Ryan played back in the day. If he can catch the ball. I don't yeah. know. I mean, Akers like is really space. good at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like I'd like chances to get Kane in space because it seems yeah, like they, they've done me so too. much where they try and run in between the tackles and stuff like that. And it's like, then he ends up getting hurt. Just let that dude be super fast. Yeah. No, I bet they've, tr- they probably kicked around, kicked out a thing around and tried, but there's a, the thing about like bubble screens and like tunnel screens and, and little kind of hitches and stuff like that is it looks really simple because the people doing it are re- doing it well are really good. Like, it's sort of like um, – Is that uh, why you guys ran it for uh, negative one yard on first down every play, every drive? Every first down, man. Um, we would do – but, like, if you're – That's um, low. <laughs> but am I wrong? 2013, we weren't I was going to say, am I wrong? 2009, 10, 11, and 12, we were not bad. 2013, we were bad. Um but uh, like when you, do, I don't know, trying to come up with someone who's good. Let's call you know, Deshante Jones. Like Deshante, when when Brock and Deshante are working together to do something like that, or Trevor Ryan, or you know whomever, it's sort of like a catcher thro- like uh, throwing somebody out at second base. When they do it really well, it doesn't look very hard because the timing and the efficiency and the smoothness of it is really good. But if you're that much off, it the 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 outcome is flipped. So like if Kane doesn't get the right spot, like the right shading, like the right depth or the right width or the right whatever, and he's not able to catch and smoothly transition to a run, the timing of that gets totally thrown off and it's blown up right away in the backfield. So I don't know if like the, the, that's the barrier to him being good at that is being able to be good enough at catching the ball and confident enough that you can do it smoothly in time. So yes, it, it, I, I, I'm, I've, I've been on the Kane train for three and a half years now, but being able to make that work in practice, not in theory is different than like th- those two situations are different. I just hope his body's matured to the point that he can stay healthy. Cause he shows uh, nice skills, even running inside. Mm-hmm. He's got a good eye to get to the outside. He's got, we all know he's got good burst, but, but the opportunities that he's had, um, he gets extra yards just because of his speed. And he's pretty good at getting into space um, and finishing runs, surprisingly, for a speed guy. So if, if there's any chance he can stay healthy, uh, I mean, everybody's fine with Brees Hall. I'm mm-hmm. really high on, on Brock's potential. Uh, Lang is, is just as solid as they come. But you throw a guy like Kane who – has shown the ability to just you give him a step and he's gone type guy mm-hmm. um i don't know I'm, I'm sitting here talking about this stuff jeff and i'm getting kind of excited about the schematic and uh potential of this offense yeah because because even at tight end if those guys go down you've got easton dean who they're really high on uh skyler loving black who i'm really high on even though he's a smaller guy um and then that 
JUCO guy that came in this fall that they, they like. So we'll see. But there's three more that they mm. could stack in there if the top three go down. I yeah, don't think I'd, you fall off very much in that. So it's an interesting, it's a fun, flexible offense, which I think lends itself well to, again, this football season, um, because you can make hairpin turns in, in scheme from one week to the next week. You're like, all right, well, you know, even taking advantage of it, of, Hey, like filling Texas tech or something like that. Their starting defensive tackle has to sit out and, the, and one of their defensive ends has to sit out. Okay. Well let's go big to force them to wear out their depth that they're now shallow at. So we're going three tight ends this week and we're going to run downhill with Brock and Brees and you know, whatever, uh, or gyro Brock and Brees, and we're going to run downhill. And then the next week, again, looking at what they have in a personnel deficiency and they go, Oh, you know, Kansas state has a corner that's out. Okay. Well let's go wide and let's try and spread everything out. So you can hairpin turn from one week to the next because of the kind of the flexibility of this offense. I'm curious, even, you know, independent of having injury set outs, I'm just curious of who ends up on this, on the, the death chart, like where, who is the number one, two, three, four, five running or a uh, wide receiver? Who is the number two running back? Which one of those guys, maybe Jarrell Brock has a great fall and he ends up becoming the number two and Johnny becomes just a flex guy. I don't know. That's the stuff I'm curious about kind of seeing where they end up. And, and their roster so, sometimes having a wealth of riches, riches and versatility can cause you to overthink. Mm-hmm. So from week to week, the reason you want to do that is you want to exploit matchups. Campbell has said he's a matchup based offensive philosophy and he's trying to create mismatches, which the tight ends give you the greatest opportunity to do that against big 12 type defenses, especially as they're uh, pivoting around to um, in both personnel and, and structure. But, um, but that you, it could become a, a shiny new toy and you just, you lose some efficiency uh, by trying to dictate matchups constantly. Mm-hmm. But in this setting, for this season, works perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what you need to have uh, to handle the type of adversity that we're talking about and the type of adversity that's going to inevitably come. And it's not that talented programs and blue blood type programs won't have the same thing. But uh, the way Iowa State schemes and the way they've matched their personnel with their scheme really stacks up well here. And I think coach continuity is good in this sense, too, because someone has to make the decision that they're pivoting and other people have to understand and be on board with that move. So if you have a a staff that doesn't like each other, doesn't trust each other, or they're new or they don't get it, then it's hard to make those changes actually stick. Because if the offensive line coach isn't sold on whatever this thing is happening, then he's going to coach, you know, whatever, not necessarily going to actively subvert that, but he's not going to be a hundred percent on board with it. So it's not going to be as effective. Whereas this staff genuinely likes each other. They genuinely trust each other. Um, that when a decision is made of like, Hey, we really want to go heavy this week. We want to make sure that we, you know, attack downhill. Hey, all right, you got it, coach. Let's go. So I think that's kind of fun. Jared, have you heard anything at all on the defensive line on who's playing or how everything's been kicking around so far? Well, I mean, I think we know most of who those guys are, are that are playing. I, I think that any will probably move inside. Would be the nose or three. Yeah. Or uh, four down thing. I would say, I think they'll probably play four down more than maybe what they did uh, previously. 
Um, but I imagine Ray Lima. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's just based on what I've heard prior, just because, uh, they haven't really gotten a chance to see those guys, you know, Mm -hmm. and I mean, maybe Latrell Bankston could play that nose position, but I don't think they really know at this point, you Mm -hmm. know? And, uh, so I think they want to be ready for anything in that scenario. But I mean, I would anticipate Jaquan at one end, Zach Peterson at the other end, any at the at tackle and then three tech. Yeah. And then you got to figure something out to who else is going to be out there with them. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see McDonald rotate in. Yeah. Will McDonald will rotate in at the defensive end spots. I wouldn't be so shocked if Blake Peterson started to get a little bit of, a little bit of run Corey, uh, Corey subtle. They really like him as well. He's a, yeah. a true freshman last season. Do you think, who do they then substitute out to get that fourth defensive lineman. So if you are in a four down set previously, the way they do is they three, three, five on defense, so three defensive linemen. So that's for those that aren't sure if you, if you hear a, a numbers of a three, three defense or a three, four defense, whatever it's a defensive line first. So number three, three defensive linemen, four is a number of linebackers. And then you just subtract from 11, the rest of the population there. So three, four means there's four left to get to 11, four defensive backs. So Iowa State plays a three-three-five in the past two or three, two and a half seasons. Yeah. In order to switch to a four-down look, you have to either go four-two-five or you have to go four-three-four. I mean, they could play more of a traditional four-three-four, couldn't they? Yeah. As, as their base, and then you can shift around out of that. And it, what's different, though, or what's unique about that is then your third linebacker has to be a safety and a, or a linebacker, half linebacker, half safety, because the big 12 is a spread off is generally spread out other than teams. Like I think Texas uh, will be pretty heavy this year. I think um, Oklahoma may be pretty heavy this year because of that quarterback, that, that Rattler kid that can run. So they might be a little bit heavier than normal. So you can play a guy, but like which outside is Mike Rose enough of a cover guy that he can be a half safety or it might make sense to go four two five and make eyes worth that half linebacker half safety that can float in and out and then you leave two guys up top for the safeties and then your corners so it's who plays that that star position that they have which is a currently Eisworth's role or do you want to move Eisworth back to be a strong safety and then play with Mike Rose outside? So it's not a Mike Rose is going to be on, Mike Rose is going to be on the field regardless. Yeah. It's just, does he play an interior linebacker spot or does he play an exterior linebacker spot? And then you go Rose and Vance with Eisworth outside with two other safeties. It, that that's a unique thing. If they do four down, they have to do something else back there. So their history is four, two, five. So that that's what they came here with. And I would expect some sort of variant on that level. But there's another way you can adjust that because that that safety that Isaiah Simmons, you know, as the ultimate beast in that that, yeah, the Clemson. that role from Clemson last year. So that's the ideal um, type of player for that. Eisworth can do that. I think Jake Hummel's a pretty good cover guy. He runs so I was well. Gonna say, I was going to say Jake uh, Hummel and, could do that. And Hummel got the chance if they're playing heavy to uh, affect and impact that. I also think what they can do with their their front four is if they continue to progress a guy like McDonald mm-hmm. there where he's got some ability to cover in space yeah. and doesn't melt down mentally, mm-hmm. then you could do that from the front back or move that, that dynamic up front. Mm-hmm. So now do you take one of your four that drops back, you blitz one of the linebackers or create a, a pressure package um, behind him 
uh, with the personnel and you can create an, uh, kind of your West Virginia in 2018 type situation where you've got somebody coming they don't account for Which from Peterson's a place they little, don't account for. Zach, is it Zach Peterson or Blake Peterson? That's the littler Peterson. Uh, uh, well, Blake is younger. They are not the same. But not, yeah, I Blake mean, is younger. I'm not sure. Not the, the the one that ended up playing outside more this past year. That was Zach. Zach. Okay, yeah. So Zach would but be Blake is Zach, Blake will be a redshirt freshman, and Zach, Zach will be a redshirt sophomore. But Zach and McDonald are the are a similar play style. Like Zach is a little bit bigger. Uh, McDonald's a little bit faster and more athletic, but those two, when you're talking about that, that half linebacker, half defensive lineman, that's they're in that mold where athletic enough to run around, but uh, big enough that they could play somewhere in the dirt. Yeah. Zach's and Zach's a, a pursuit machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, his pursuit is, yeah, is outstanding. And he, you know, that, that was the adjustment against Oklahoma last year in the second half was they took uh, because they were getting killed with the uh, with the quarterback keep with Hertz running on the outside and on the on the option the read option route and they they took Zach and they instead of bringing him up field where he was getting mauled uh, they stood him up so they spied from the line with Peterson and that helped slow down and caused uh, Hertz to to hesitate he made some pretty and, great plays too Mm-hmm. He made out of that really good place. Yeah, no, but he was perfect for that because he had enough speed to to spy from the line, which I think, you know, the the whole, you know, a spy doesn't matter if he's not fast enough to go tackle the guy he's supposed to be spying. Right. right. So uh, where that spy lines up, it's, it seems safest to do it from the middle and to mirror. Um, but that little wrinkle that they made in that second half against Oklahoma was not only very effective because then what they did is they ran the double a gap blitz which caused hertz to have to pick a side so now he didn't have the whole field to throw to he had to go pick a side and uh that that compressed coverage and ended up in some turnover or turnover opportunities which was the double a blacks double a gap blitz was a double-edged sword for him last year but but in that game it worked perfectly and especially with peterson doing that but there's enough versatility there again on the defense. The same thing we've just talked about with the offense. If you tie those two things together, you've got a team that's really hard to beat in a COVID environment. So maybe it's taken <laughs> a pandemic for Iowa State to be in the in the mix for um, for the top tier. But I like the prospects. I really do. Well, Zach's little brother's coming to Iowa State too. Uh, who's, was, who's, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he committed. Uh, what was that? Two weeks ago, I think. Um, cool. Yep. Same kind of build. Um, so big, I think big Troy put it down and put two in the, in the house. Yeah, so. man, for sure. What's cool. I think about the defense too, is because you have man cover corners, um, yeah. that allows you to be more, you can play more with everything else because you don't have to worry about like, if you're playing a zone, you essentially have to have two guys cover one guy because you know, three are going to cover three or three are going to cover two because you have to have a linebacker on between the hash and the numbers. You have a corner that's on the numbers and you have a safety that's kind of over the top on that in order to cover everybody over there. Maybe there's just two guys that end up on that side. We have three guys allotted to it. So you're really three covering two. So in situations like that, and granted there's still numbers where you want more one-to-one ratio, but when you have man cover corners, it allows your best option, the, the offense's best options to not be easy access because you can run Anthony Johnson or Tavon Kyle around with them 
and um, I don't know, depth-wise behind them, what does that look like with, is it guys that are going to have to play more cover two, cover three, or is it guys that could, they could, if Johnson's on the side, they can still have someone play man on the other side? Yeah. That's an open question. What's the depth at corner look like? Oh, uh, young. They got yeah, a transfer kid. I mean, they got that kid from North Carolina. Yeah, Greg Ross. But last time we talked to Coach Campbell, he wasn't on campus yet. Um, so, I mean, when we talked to him on Monday, that'll be a question to ask him. Uh, yeah, but he'd I thought started, that was a really big get. Yeah, he'd started a bunch of games at North Carolina. Um, and, and played then, man. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I was going to throw out the, the name Aishim Young, who is not of a cornerback, but uh, yeah. from all – I mean, all accounts is going to be pretty damn good. Um, and I think he's more of a true safety from what I, what I've been told, but, uh, I mean, they, they just have recruited so many defensive backs. Like they take so many defensive backs in every class. If you go back and look at all of the classes Campbell has had, and I think that that was maybe even something that he said, like his first signing day was that he'll never turn down a good defensive back. So they just end up with tons of different names in that mm -hmm. room. And, well, and that's why you can play. That's why 24 guys can make a tackle. In. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech game. Yeah. There's a there's a true freshman I really like, this Michael Antoine guy out of Florida. Um, I just really liked his play style. Just super aggressive. Definitely a man-type corner. And, I, I, you know, true freshman at corner, really, really hard. I mean, that's a really hard position to tra transfer into. But, um, yeah, there's – Jeff, there's not a lot, just a lot of – recognizable names that you feel really good about. I mean, Tavon Kyle's a yeah. position convert. So. so so you got three – I mean, you have three guys who have played quite a bit in Daytron, Anthony Johnson, and uh, Tavon Kyle. And then that UNC transfer. And then the UNC yeah. transfer, which he has played a lot, but just not at Iowa State. Uh, and after – I'm pulling up the roster right now because I just want to get an idea of some, some of the other um, – we have like Arnold, like is Arnold still? Uh, yeah, yes, Arnold, uh, is in his, Arnold is in his still here. I don't imagine Keontae Jones. Uh, no, Keontae uh, transferred. He did. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would imagine. Uh, Kamani that, King. Uh, I would imagine that Azuna is the number two for Eisworth in that kind of star position. Yeah. Less less corner, more physical safety. I mean, they had a bunch of guys that uh, that redshirted last year that Von Zell Kelly and Verdell Edwards both redshirted last year. Um, I mean, they have a bunch Manny of true, King is somebody they like true freshman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kamani King played a little bit last year. He didn't even redshirt. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got, there's a whole bunch of dudes there, but it's like, how confident can you be in any of them at, at this point, you know, th th and this is something I was going to say, and then we can kind of get wrapped up because there's a, I don't know if you guys heard, there's a big press conference in Iowa city at one o'clock today, but uh, the, um, the positive is, and you know, we all obviously would prefer to be able to play Iowa in the second week of the season, mm -hmm. but you get ball state now. I mean, the, if they don't start three and O in the non-conference, then something has gone drastically wrong. Because what is it currently right now? What is the current schedule? To refresh those that know. South Dakota, South Dakota at home, Ball State at home, uh, uh, UNLV at home, Texas Tech at home, and then on the road at Kansas are your first five games. Hmm. There should at least be one, two, probably even three or four in there where you get an opportunity 
to one get those quarterbacks on the field uh two mix some of your young defensive players into the into the game mm-hmm. your offensive line is going to get a pretty solid run up where you get to play an fcs team two group of five teams and then probably two of the worst teams in the big 12 right off the bat you're not getting thrown to the wolves uh that's not iowa in week two yeah with iowa in week two so it's like i said we would all prefer to be able to play iowa you know like that's obviously best case okay maybe not jay uh you know what i mean you know what i mean where it's like uh best case scenario like we want to play that game i want to beat i want them to beat those guys you know as much as anything and uh but like if you're not going to be able to play them at least get yourself into a scenario where you can use it to your advantage and continue to prepare your team for the stretch the you know the second stretch of the season which i think after you play kansas you've got oklahoma oklahoma state and texas back to back to back it's a it's a it's a baylor kansas state formula yeah that's what it is and and I'm, I'm I'm excited to have the opportunity to see that and see how that plays out in the full season, assuming everything goes pretty well. So, got anything else to add, Jeffrey? No, I think it's it, this is just an interesting thing that uh, it's going to be an expect the unexpected type thing. Like, there's no way that this season is going to go even right. remotely to the plan that is set. So, like someone is going to end up having to cancel a game. Iowa State may have to end up canceling a game, which would be horrible, but we all know that there's a chance it's going to happen. So I think going in expecting that things are going to be weird and kind of rolling with the fact that these things are weird, you know, like that's the thing that is the most, I think that's the pinnacle or not the pinnacle, the, 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 the through line of the season is that this is going to be odd that whether it's no fans or limited fans or, pumping crowd noise in to offset the sound that you'd normally would get or whatever the, the whatever is going to happen. It's going to be kind of, I don't want to say fun in the sense of like a t- super enjoyable ride, but I think it's going to be fun and interesting to see how these pivots are going to have to happen. And I would, I would say, you know, whoever ends up being the national champion or conference champion this year, isn't an asterisk in a negative. It's an asterisk in the positive. Because if you got through this whole thing and ended up on top of it with all the crap that was had to deal with, there's no asterisk to this one. That is, you really went through the gauntlet and made it through on the other side. So I think it's just going to be really fun, interesting to see how everything goes. And I like, just again, bringing that that Dodgers-Astros game, I just sat down and watched a, a live sporting event for like two and a half hours uh, last night on the couch and it felt wonderful. So regardless of how everything goes, I think just the access to football and the access to like a quasi normal sporting environment is going to be kind of fun. Uh, I'm just very excited and hope that it happens relatively on time. I went to a sporting event on Monday. What was that? Went to a state baseball tournament. Oh yeah. No. So uh, Des Moines Christian, uh, beat Dyke New Hartford in a, a two to one pitchers duel in ten innings that started at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> there were that six one, total hits. That, that one a.m. finish. <laughs> six total hits is a is a hell of a battle. Uh, all right, fellas, uh, it's been fun. We'll do this again next week or sometime. All right. Sounds good. Promise good to w- I promise to wake up on time. This next good chart, time. everybody. Good chart. All right. Yeah, good See chart.